three two two one one damn we in the done in the dunny comfortable in the dun dun yeah hey what's your favorite breakfast <laughs> my favorite breakfast overall yeah. yeah that's too broad you gotta ask questions like what's your favorite breakfast utensil <laughs> no so far we've had what's your favorite breakfast oatmeal yep <laughs> and what's your favorite breakfast bacon yeah so now like what's your and we had breakfast waffle let's not forget that <laughs> yeah. and cereal oh, yeah, we pretty much covered all our breakfast <laughs> oh, this no. are you kidding me we're not even close what's your favorite breakfast french toast oh my gosh <laughs> How many more? Uh, okay. I've never felt more compassion for our listeners than in this moment right now. I mean, yeah. you're not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. Oh, man. Hey, here's something. Speaking of not wrong, uh, we just shut our eyes and swung for the fences. We? Why are you lumping the two of us together? Because gonna... now that we're right, <laughs> I'm totally going to align with you. No, dude. I, that was me. Mars was, Mars was indeed in retrograde. Mars was in retrograde, man. You shut your eyes, swung for the fences, <laughs> and somehow hit the ball over the fence. It blows my mind. Yeah. Well, every once in a while, blind squirrel can find a nut. That's true. And boy, did you ever on this one. Yeah. So Mars in retrograde. So we actually learned that Mars was in retrograde. And to continue our banter with Mountain Sports, they've referenced us as potentially astrology geniuses. Yeah. And I'm just going to... Start. I'm gonna put that after my name. I've never seen you look so certain as you are right now. <laughs> yeah. Astrology like, yeah, I'm genius. an astrology genius. That's the face of certainty right there. If there's one thing I know, it's it's that I'm a genius with astrology, and it sure showed. <laughs> Especially how we vacillated. We threw it out there. We corrected ourselves. Learned that we were right. You were right. Sorry. Yeah. And then recorrected ourselves. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But dude, I just wanted to offer you a nice shout for getting Mars in retrograde right, <laughs> yeah. man. Well. Let me throw it right back at you and give you a nice shout. You've you've shaven your face. <laughs> I do see it in our notes. It says Cody Ugly. Is that what this is? Well, nice shout, Dr. CB. Hmm. Y- you shaved your face, but you're growing that rat tail out back. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a confused. <laughs> Dude, your confusion is right on par with my wife's confusion. So I actually botched my beard. I was trimming my beard in the shower the other night and then walked out of the shower and my wife looked at me in what I thought was initially confusion, but really just now the more I think about it was just pure, utter disgust. <laughs> like, ugh. like, what is going on with you? But yeah, She's, man. She saw your face. She saw my face <laughs> for what it is, not covered in hair. No mustache to distract, no beard to distract, just... Just my ugly face, man. Okay, well, so that's her. That's her. That's her problem to deal with. It that's, is. That's her issue. Gosh, makes me love her more. For, <laughs> Jorts in this face. Golly, Dude, she really. Oh, she really shut her eyes and swung yeah, for the fences. We nominate her for Nobel Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> Anyways, my issue with it is a little different. Okay, what do you got? It's that it's that your hair situation. Yeah, your hair sitch. Yeah. It's gotten a little bit more scraggly, uh-huh. and at the same time, you cleaned up the front. So, like, yeah. uh, you got rid of the dirty stash. Yep. But then you got this rat tail that's getting ever longer. Yeah. All the while that you keep shaving the sides. <laughs> Are you? Do you feel disgusted? Ah, dude. If it's not evident in my tone and intonation, <laughs> I don't know how to be more clear. Oh man. I can't get it right these days, man. Yeah, got rid of the got rid of the dirty stash, the DS, replaced it with the RT, the rat tail, and man, tell you what, I could get on board. Yep. If you go home yep. tonight, 
talk to Mrs. Be Nice mm-hmm. and see if you can get her to braid the the rat trap. <laughs> then I'm all in. I might have to get a little more length on the uh, the old RT. It looks close. Looks you like so? you get a good braid. Going. There's some scragglies. Yeah. But hey, speaking of the rat tail, so I did get my hair cut a couple of weeks ago. Um, by Sarah Tilford over there at Wildflower Salon. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Gets our first nice shout of the day. Uh, One, for her willingness to touch my hair. Like, that's <laughs> that's a nice shout. Just even if I'm paying you to fix what's going on upstairs, I, I really respect and appreciate that. But two, I did go out that next day. We had a conversation about that, and I got two compliments on my hair that day. Yeah. One from the guy who was bugging me while I had my uh, headphones in. When we talked about this, <laughs> so what about this is telling you that I want to talk right now. And I think in an effort to like make me feel better, he said, I like your hair. Oh, or he was just calling it for what it was. She did a good job. She did a good job, man. But so nice shout for one, cleaning up Cody's hair. And then nice shout for, uh, she tuned in on the trust episode and then reposted us and, uh, had some nice things to say. Oh, on the IG? On the IG. Yeah, she reposted on the IG. On the gram. Thank you. Thanks so, for listening. Yeah, Tilly, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Bigly appreciates. Yeah. Speaking of nice shouts, I got a really good one. Another really good one. I, I feel like I get passionate about these ones that, that yeah. I come up with that, are, that I feel we need to address. Mm-hmm. So, nice shout. It's an art exhibit going on. Currently, it's um, it's it started September 11th, and it's going to be running through January 9th. And it's at the Coconino County Center for the Arts. Um, and it's called Parched, the Art of Water in the Southwest. Mm. And it was uh, it, it contains installments. There were nine artists who, in January of 19, went through a series of immersive discussions that looked at the cultural uh, aspects, the scientific aspects, um, uh, various aspects of water in our area to understand perspectives and differences in perspectives and then have created this art installment that's, that opened up in September. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go check it out, Coconino mm-hmm. Center for the Arts, um, and it'll be running through January 9th. Oh, very cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's relevant. super powerful. Yeah. Powerful images, relevant um, in acknowledging climate change and just what is real about the Southwest mm-hmm. and hopefully help to create some sense of urgency for what is going on with the ongoing climate change. Cool. Yeah. yeah so get, get there, get there, get there. Yeah. Uh, typically we have three nice shots for the day and I guess we only plan two, but then ended up delving out four. Yeah. We each got a nice shot from each other. <laughs> Look at you just yeah. creating connection just all generous. over the place. When yeah. you were saying too, that you get passionate about these movements and the art, I was thinking this does kind of parallel us, right? I get pumped about people and you get pumped about content. Yeah. It's kind of, it's the truth. This is you and I, yeah. it's the way it goes. Um, what, speaking of people, what do we got on the docket for today? <clears throat> Going beyond flag with Jesse Prescott, a massage therapist and functional mobility coach who practices his craft at Kokora movement on seventh Avenue, right here in flagpole, Arizona. Nice. He also hosts the Kokoro Movement podcast. His emphasis is in his role as a massage therapist and coach is to help people resolve pain. So he places a really large emphasis on the psychosomatic expression of pain, which is something we get into in this pod. Yeah. Jesse is a true, well, this is quote for quote on the website, Jesse is a true born and raised flag local who grew up riding BMX and dirt bikes prior to dipping his toes into MMA, jujitsu, CrossFit, and now, drumroll, Mountain biking. Yeah. Born and raised in Flag and coming around to mountain biking now. Coming back to mountain biking now. I wonder if we'll go Lake Mary at all on this thing, huh? Mm. We'll see. 
With a self-described obsessive personality, he's taken his craft to the far edges of competition, fascination, and injury. Well then, let's go beyond flag with Jesse Prescott. Welcome to Beyond Flag, a Beyond the Pines production, created by, with, and for the people of Flagstaff, building connection in the town we love. We are your hosts, Dr. Daniel J. Phillips, and Cody Bayless, also known as Dr. Chinchilla Nice Nice. Thanks for tuning in as we go Beyond Flag, straight from the dunny of our observatory. All right, here we are in the dunny. We got another guest today. Yeah, back in the dun, yeah. yeah. And uh, we're also back in the dun sharing a mic together. Yeah, so I'm um, <laughs> extremely disappointed at this. But, you know, the thing I'm thinking right now is I'm going to go back to ultradrum underscore O2. <laughs> and whatever I need to do to make that trade to get rid of you, Dan, and get an audio engineer in this joint to help us out, I'm doing it. So, like, if she throws out, it'll just be a cool meal. Cool. You're, you're Done. happy with <laughs> I'm going to the bank. <laughs> going to the bank. I'm going to the I'm bank. sure they'll be willing to give you a business loan for that. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Whatever it takes at this point. So here we are. We're doing our best, making do with a, a one mic, sharing one mic, and we're in here with Jesse Prescott. Super yeah. excited to have him here. Happy to be here. Yeah. yeah thanks um, for coming on the show. Yeah. And we actually got in touch with you or reached out to you because you were recommended to us for an interview by Jay Mula, good yeah. friend of the program. Yeah. Jay Mula. Jay <laughs> Mula. Yeah. Shout out, shout out Jay Mula. And she referenced how you have um, uh, d- developed a bit of a knowledge around the psychosomatic expression of emotions as chronic pain. And yeah. so that was that relates to our work, I think, as psychologists. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. But first, before we get into all that, huh? We should probably uh, get to know Jesse a little bit. Yeah. And what it, something I noticed when I go to your website is you got the alphabet behind your name. <laughs> yeah. So I see uh, Lumpt Nakuta Three Dinner Furkness Kinstretch Dunnis. What is Whoa. what is all these letters, man? Um, no vowels, just letters. <laughs> just, no vowels. Just, oh, there is no. some vowels. Oh, yeah, there's an, I see an A. Yeah, yeah. So those are all just uh, certifications that I have, and and the reason why I have those certifications on my website is so that. Uh, like-minded practitioners can get a hold of me and we can, um, you know, commiserate on my podcast if we need to. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. So, uh, you know, those are um, the foundations of what I do as a practitioner because I am uh, a massage therapist and a strength coach, but I combine all the different things into one thing, which is that human in front of me that's in pain, right? And so... Like the neurokinetic therapy, the NKT, that is my uh, muscle testing background. That's how I figure out um, where uh, muscle-to-muscle dysfunctions are coming from, and that is uh, the biological aspect of pain. And then um, DNA is a dynamic neuromuscular assessment, and that's where I start to muscle test for um, a lot of the uh, emotional dysfunctions that, that is manifesting as physical pain. And then... Uh, functional range conditioning, FRC, that's, uh, you know, joint function, and it just kind of goes on from there. So I just have, you know, just went on an education rampage, just fueled by frustration of not being able to help people and make them better. Yeah, I see that. And then the last one I see is DNS, which in my world means did not start. (laughs) No, for me, it means uh, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. So that is um, a 
form of developmental kinesiology that we use to um, rehabilitate people. And so there's some people that are so out of touch with their body just in general that we mm. take them all the way back to uh, developmental movement patterns and have them go from the ground up. And yeah. so that was like one of the bases of my technology or not technology education, I guess technology works too, but uh, you know, to, I wanted to learn more about uh, breathing mechanics and uh, core stabilization. And that's where I went for that. And so that is a school based out of Prague. So that was the most interesting education courses that I've taken because the majority of them are taught by these really soft-spoken women from Prague. <laughs> and so it's this really dense information that's spoken with such a thick accent. You have to pay attention so hard oh, that by yeah. the end of the day, you're just trying to consume as many calories as possible because your brain was just working so hard yeah. all day. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, just really good. That's yeah. a educational journey right there all those letters and something you said earlier was it sound like uh, the fuel to it was frustration yep yeah can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so people would come in and they would say this hurts and with my remedial massage education i would just massage it and then they'd be like well it still hurts i'm like well why that doesn't make any sense and so then the more you learn the more you understand um, that humans are inherently complex. And uh, one of my favorite teachers, his name's Dr. Perry Nicholson. He, his quote is, the human body is under no obligation to make sense to you. And so we just do the best we can. And so the more I learned, the more I understood that I don't know anything, especially now, you know what I mean? So like, the more you dive in, the more you know, like the, the leading pain scientists in the world are still learning stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we're just kind of have an idea that meets these patterns of the people that come in mm -hmm. and how you can help them the best that you can help them, mm -hmm. you know? And even then, you know, I have a, I have a pretty high success rate at about 70%. Mm -hmm. Some people, you know, just aren't ready. And mm -hmm. so that's, um, that's how you can tell, um, that there's an emotional component to that. Mm -hmm. is, so 70% uh, of, of clients that then report a reduction of the pain or right or or, or see improvement stop. yeah okay yep yeah. and okay. so you know one of my uh, quotes that i tell my clients all the time is better is better yeah. right mm -hmm. and it's on the path to best mm -hmm. and so um you know they well you didn't get rid of it in this one session well how mm -hmm. long have you been in pain mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because if you've been in pain for 10 years then we're not going to get rid of it in an hour mm -hmm. you know what i mean and mm -hmm. plus you know, that's a, that's one of the running jokes in my field of, you know, just even massage therapists, strength coaches, physical therapists, whatever is like, Hey, did you do those exercises at home? Well, no. Okay. Then that's why you still feel bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a, yeah, it's a challenging, um, it's a challenging profession and that's why I love it so much. So you mentioned being both a coach and a massage therapist that's how right. you apply your education your training currently yeah and, and so when you talk about working with people are you talking about both in in terms of being a coach and being a massage therapist or are you mostly referring to that improvement in pain from here's you know, my working one and the one or the other so here's one of my other favorite quotes it depends mm -hmm. it depends mm -hmm. on what the person needs right mm -hmm. and so if they're if they have incomplete movement mechanics then they're in pain mm -hmm. and so if uh if somebody is coming in and they have chronic pain and I have established that it's due to um, some type of uh, 
physical dysfunction, then we go into um, coaching them Mm -hmm. because it's cheaper in the long term. And then they can be in there consistently with me three days a week because, Mm -hmm. like I said, the majority of people aren't going to be proactive at home. So Mm -hmm. they need to come and see me to have that accountability. Mm -hmm. And so when people ask me what I do, I I don't have a good elevator pitch. You know what I mean? Because it's just every, but like I said, humans are complex mm-hmm, and they, mm-hmm. everybody needs different stuff mm-hmm. and different attention. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I combine both coaching and massage most of the time. Mm-hmm. So what does your day to day look like then? So, um, it's weird now for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> but so I have, um, right now, I am sharing the gym with another coach. And uh-huh. so our gym in town is on 7th Avenue. It's called the Flagstaff Fit Collective. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, so he coaches primarily in the mornings. Uh-huh. And I coach afternoon evenings. And then I do all my massages before that, just kind of whenever people can get in throughout the day. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we have three to four people in there plus one coach. Four is a lot of people. Um, and uh, with just, you know, today's weirdness you know and so Mm -hmm. um yeah that's kind of my day is i just Mm -hmm. uh, schedule it around people and around having as minimal people in the gym as we can but Mm -hmm. it's been working out so far Mm -hmm. yep so small groups do you work one-on-one or do you do mostly work with groups it's all individualized but there's multiple people in there at a time and so i have people doing stuff that's appropriate for them yeah, I was curious to know, um, like operating a gym and then in your profession, what it was like with the pandemic, right? So like you're saying, for obvious reasons, it's a little bit different than it was. Yeah. What was it like for you managing all of the, all of the changes in the environment? Uh, it was devastating at first because, you know, they're basically like, well, your profession's illegal now. And I'm like, oh my God. You know, so um, luckily, um, you know, massage therapy is very cyclical. You know, it's up and down and up and down. Some months you're really busy. Some months you have no one, you know, like, and so that's why I started uh, doing the personal training on top of the massage therapy was initially to give myself like a good base to operate from. And so luckily it's almost as if I was preparing for the pandemic, right? Because the majority of my uh, coaching clients stayed on and then just, we loaned them out equipment and they worked out at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was able to pay like my baseline bills and stuff. So I didn't, I wasn't impacted too badly, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, but, um, you know, we have sections of the gym, like taped off you. This is your section. This is the equipment that you're using. You have to clean it off when you leave. And then, uh, we have like a weed sprayer that just has like disinfectant and Mm -hmm, we spray the mm -hmm. whole gym. And then I, I personally like mop the gym twice a week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, as far as my, massage therapy practice goes, I kind of just make a show out of it, Mm -hmm. right? So like when people come in, I uh, spray down the table, wipe off the table, put fresh linens on there. Um, You know, I clean all of my stuff while they're standing there. I clean my hands. I wear a mask the whole time. Um, You know, they wear a mask if they're face up, but if they're face down in the cradle, then I have them take their mask off so they're just not panicking. You know what I mean? And so it's just kind of, you just, it's the, the weirdest part about, this pandemic is just like, be clean and responsible. And mm-hmm. people are like, what? I don't want to do that. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's really weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, certainly. And so like March 17th, right? Yeah. Cor- Coral puts down the gyms have to close. What's your immediate response hearing that information? Um, just overwhelming anxiety. Yeah. You know, I have been working on my own for the last five years. And so, you know, 
based off of the freedom of working on my own. I'm virtually unemployable. You know, I don't want to go work for anybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> Unless they're just like really phenomenal. So um, it was, you know, there was kind of a lot of fear about it because we didn't know what to expect, right? Humans are the only creatures that are predictive, right? And so we predict outcomes that are largely unrealistic for the most part, you know? And so I th like just, you know, the, the weirdest part was like going to the stores and trying to get stuff and just not having anything mm -hmm. and just seeing people just completely exasperated, just not knowing what to do because we had virtually mm -hmm. no leadership, you know, we had no, nobody in the leadership position was like, Hey, this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Probably don't freak out and buy all the toilet paper. You know <laughs> what I mean? There's enough groceries for everybody. There was nobody doing that. So everybody just panicked and bought all the stuff, you know? <clears throat> and so, um, trying to, you know, transition into building an online business from scratch, mm -hmm. you know, that was, uh, pretty challenging. Um, and then, you know, right when I got that online, uh, coaching business i was coaching group classes online right when i got that up and started you know may 15th comes around everybody opens and then nobody's doing it again and i'm mm -hmm. like come on so it's just like a constant adaptation process mm -hmm. and it was more like uh you know just like um you know i'm a uh, martial artist also doing uh jujitsu mm -hmm. it's just like jujitsu where you're just you have to constantly be like okay what are we doing now mm -hmm. you can't really predict something mm -hmm because then you'll get caught in something else. You know, you can't predict an arm lock because then you'll get caught in a choke. Mm -hmm. And so that's exactly what I was doing is just trying to stay focused on the moment and then provide leadership for people in my profession. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what my uh, podcast did at that point was, well, all these people that I've been asking questions, I'm going to ask them how they're handling it. Mm -hmm. What are they doing? Mm -hmm. And how are they working through this? Mm -hmm. And then putting that on my podcast. So mm -hmm. I did like, just, uh, mm -hmm. I did, uh, you know, just, I did probably 30 podcasts just because I had the time, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, my wife's a nurse. And so, um, she was like on the front lines of all this stuff mm -hmm. and it was, it was just crazy. And now it's just super normal. Mm -hmm. Just this new high level of stress that we have mm -hmm. to the point where even the governments are like, Hey, UFOs are real. And we're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, stuff that would be newsworthy kind of yeah. passes by quickly. Yeah, uh, you know, listening to you, there's this real um, desire to learn. Yeah. And in that, uh, one approach that you take to that is really dialogue, just open dialogue. Right. And so in the adaptation process to what's going on currently and your evolution with it, a lot of that involved talking with others, hearing what others were doing and then applying that. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. You, you threw something in there that I want to check it check in about. Yeah, because I, uh, I I was reading about you on your website. Yep. You mentioned the jujitsu. Yeah. But uh, sounds like you also have a career in MMA, oh, a previous career. Oh, so if you mean <laughs> uh, career as one horrific amateur loss, then yeah, that's, that's absolutely <laughs> I do. Yeah. that's a career. Yeah. yeah so. Uh, I'm a weird dude in the aspect where I just charge into things that scare me. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm a, I'm a comic book dork. I wear glasses. That's just like the typical person that gets bullied. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was just bullied all through middle school and high school, just relentlessly because mm -hmm. I was scrawny and 
small and weird, you know what I mean? And so, um, I, uh, got married and then I got, um, divorced shortly thereafter. And, uh, you know, just was wildly depressed from the divorce and was, uh, you know, drinking a lot of alcohol, smoking a lot of cigarettes, eating a lot of really terrible food. And it just got to the point where I was like, I need to change something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I quit drinking and smoking. And then, um, I was like, well, I'm afraid of confrontation. Let's go do fighting. Mm -hmm. It seems like the thing to do, you know? <laughs> and so, well, yeah, I guess some people, some people would come to that conclusion. Right. Well, it's, uh, you know, so just from that experience, it's like, what are you afraid of? Something that you don't know anything about, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so the more you learn about that, the less afraid of it you are. And so, you know, I uh, trained for uh, three years. I lost. Um, so at that point, so I started out at uh, 270 pounds and I weighed in for my fight at uh, 190. Oh, man. And oh, so wow. I was two weeks out from my fight. And the guy I was fighting wasn't losing weight. And so they're like, hey, can you fight at 200? And that's when I stepped on the scale and was 190 pounds. I was like, sure, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like, and then he actually ended up cutting weight to 205. Oh, wow. So he probably dropped 15, 20 pounds to get to 205. And I weighed 191 with all my clothes on. Oh, so you're, weighing, you're, rest, you're going against this guy that's big. Yeah. And he... he bulldoze me and i did the best that i could you know what i mean like and it's really it's like what i was talking about with like the pandemic right yeah. what are we doing right now yeah, yeah, and yeah. so you know like at the time i was really confident in my striking and i knew i hit really hard but yeah. then you hit that guy really hard and then nothing happens and you're like oh okay <laughs> now what are we doing you know <laughs> it was just like it was the most surreal experience ever because uh you know i i uh survived round one and then went to my corner and he was talking to me and I actually talked to my cornerman like a month ago about this and he yeah. was giving me really good advice but I didn't hear a thing I couldn't hear the crowd I couldn't hear him yeah I couldn't hear anything I was just nodding at him and then he handed me a water bottle and I drank it and just gave it back and nodded at him some more and turned around and was just fighting this guy again yeah you know and then yeah. that's where uh he uh TKO'd me um in the first minute of the second round but oh, it was just wow. like it was a weird Surreal. thing and i don't think i've ever told this story on a podcast but uh you know i hate i had this huge cut on the top of my head yeah yeah and i was just bruised and swollen all over my face and we, i was fighting in a town called lordsburg new mexico which has like a population of like three people and you know the only <laughs> restaurant they had that was open was like an arby's and oh, i've been phenomenal <laughs> and i'd been cutting weight for like two months and i was just like i just want like a pepsi or something and so i'm going and i'm like talking to like making my order and my cut starts bleeding uh, so they had uh you know they just put like the vaseline with the coagulant in yeah. it right on my cut and so it just starts bleeding down my face and I just turn around and grab a napkin and slam it on there and start asking the lady for more food. And she just turned around. I was like, I can't do this and walked away. And I was like, come on, I need my food. I'm hungry. And so the manager had to come up and <laughs> finish taking my order. But that was like, that's just the whole, it's the most ridiculous thing. 
Ever. Oh man, Arby's a little double cheddar beef. beef. <laughs> yeah, Arby's. Yeah. I'm trying to understand what part of this story made it horrific for you. <laughs> was it the so, double cheddar, or was so, it the cut on the head? Some, some small town in New Mexico hitting up Arby's, yeah. blacking out. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah. Phenomenal. It's, it was actually my mom was there watching, so it was really more horrific for her than it was for me. Yeah. yeah. You know, because she couldn't do anything, and I was doing everything I could. So. I don't know. <laughs> it was uh, interesting. Yep. Dang. Well, it sounds like you jumped uh, just straight in, cannonball into MMA. It sounds like yeah. had your fight, and that was your career. How did it evolve from there? Where'd you go? So laid, laid down the gloves after the match. <laughs> yeah, hung them up, yeah. man, in the rafters. Uh, after that, I just started doing uh, just jujitsu tournaments, and okay. so um, I did. Um, you know, my very first jujitsu tournament, I just I got just the heck beat out of me in this cage fight like a couple months earlier and you know we start grappling and then i was like oh this guy can't hit me this is way better and so <laughs> it was so much more fun once i got rid of that anxiety you know and so i did uh three jiu-jitsu tournaments and then um to prepare for my uh first one i started crossfit you know i kind of had uh my fight team uh, disbanded so I was trying to find uh, different jiu-jitsu schools that I just wasn't driving with here in town and uh, then CrossFit just became my thing and so I was doing I did CrossFit for eight years and uh, you know eventually just got super burned out on that and was just trying to figure it out after that and so yeah now I'm into mountain biking really hard because when I was a kid I grew up riding uh, BMX so from like 14 to 20 I rode BMX so um back in august my wife was like i bought a bike and you're buying one too and i was like uh, okay right. so as soon as i got on that thing that little kid was so stoked yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. so that's my new thing so now i'm just uh all my time in the gym is uh trying to make myself better at mountain biking and mm-hmm. and and make myself more resilient because mm-hmm. i know that i'm gonna fall eventually and i just want to be as robust as possible which is what i try and do with my clients too mm-hmm. is just make them uh, as robust as they can be and just give them a bunch of different movement solutions so that they don't get injured as much. Mm-hmm. No crashes yet then. You, you, no. You, you implied that's a future tense thing. Correct. Wow. Good I'm, for you. Predictive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, those BMX skills, Translate. Uh, they show through pretty good. Yeah. I'm yeah. really kind of surprised at what I still have, even though I haven't ridden in like 20 years. Yeah. Um, so much so that the first bike I bought was like a $800 hardtail. And I destroyed that thing in like 40 days. Like it was in the shop. And I was just like, this is insane. And so I was talking to my friend who owns uh, the bike shop behind Eat and Run, uh, Flagstaff Bike and Fitness. And I was like, you need to find me a bike that doesn't break. And so he was like, well, we have this downhill rental that you can buy and i'm like cool we'll buy it <laughs> so went up substantially it went from like a the way i've been comparing it is like i just went from a 92 honda civic to a cadillac you know it's just yeah, it's oh, amazing yeah, yeah. Plush and cushy you oh, got a downhill rig yep yeah yeah well i'm happy to hear that maybe this is the route i was noticing this pattern right so you went into mma and you said you got your bum kicked and then you went into <laughs> jujitsu and got the heck beat out of you I was starting to feel concerned for you. So actually, like mountain actually, biking, maybe this is good. But he's also, he's also anticipating he's going to crash. Right yeah. On the well, we just because I know me well enough, right? <laughs> like I've been with me my whole life. I know me pretty good. Yep. And so, you know, I was just a, 
a disaster when I was riding BMX all the time, you know? Yeah. Just, but uh, jiu-jitsu, actually, I was uh, 50-50 on wins and losses, so... Hey, yeah, yeah. let's go. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Way yeah. better. Yeah, no doubt. Way better than my MMA career. Yeah. And also, well, and also, you skipped CrossFit, so yeah, he okay, he's yeah. had this gradual transition away from people punching him in the face. Yes. Yeah. So like rigorous exercise, and now we're on a mountain bike. Yeah, and this literally, almost immediately, you know, just uh, yeah, severely broken noses, and you know. The deviated septums and not in it yeah like i feel relieved that you're going into mountain biking like let's keep <laughs> let's keep that let's go that path this yeah is, this is good I'm when mountain to... biking is the safest <laughs> it's the safe choice. thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, um, so jesse i want to go back just a sec you, you referenced growing up bmx and i saw on your website that you uh born and raised in flagstaff yes sir selling them selling dams damn we got a free kylan camper a free free i have a free pickup camper that says colin camper on it it's a colin camper all right there we go but the person writes this i know nothing about this these are all the photos i have which there are two the camper is located down fr 151 near the base of humphreys takes about 45 minutes to get to the camper from flagstaff when snow starts to fall it won't be possible to drive a truck ah, out there so now's the t- now's the time you gotta jump on this yeah, asap exactly get on this meow and it says it has been sitting in this spot for 30 plus years. I have no idea of the actual condition of the structure of the camper. It will be empty before pickup. You'll need a truck to scoop this up. You'll need a few guys to pick this up, to load it up. There's nothing at the camper to use to pick it up. Will not deliver. Will not be able to assist in loading. I, you know, I just, I'm going to say the marketing on this one is a little lacking. I don't know. I was. I thought you were going to go the other direction. I thought you were going to say it was pretty premier. Like, they're breaking it down here. We don't know anything. Well, we got two photos. <laughs> they're straightforward and direct. I just don't know that you're going to convince someone on this one with this, with this description. All you need to do is go about 45 minutes down the road <laughs> to find bring something. Bring a truck to they scoop know this up <laughs> and bring some friends about. to put it on the truck. This thing that we know nothing about. Yeah. Yeah, well, this condition is listed as fair. I think we have... Fair's a, good. There's a great opportunity for someone here with this free calling camper. Yeah, yeah, this is a good project camper. If you want a project and just getting it to your home to be your project, it's yours. What's the post ID on this one? We got 722-1134-102. Get dams. Get dams. So Jesse, I want to go back just a sec. You, you referenced growing up BMX, and I saw on your website that you uh, born and raised in Flagstaff. Yes, sir. Yeah, have you been here your whole life? Whole life. Never left. Um, I've I've left a few times, but um, for pretty short stints. So yeah. um, when I went to massage school, I initially went to massage school right out of high school, and so I lived in San Diego at that point, and I was uh, traveling back and forth because they were short intensive classes so then i could come back and put it into practice mm-hmm. um but you know then i was 18 and when you're 18 you're an idiot you don't know how to do anything much less run a business right and so um i uh just kind of started off all the other jobs um and then i lived in uh, camp verde for a little while and then um in my first marriage i moved to virginia for six months but other than that i've mm-hmm. been in flagstaff for the most yeah. part the boomerang effect is real. It is. You kind of go out and you come back. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, tell us a little bit about your connection to Flagstaff. Like it's growing up here and then what it's like now. How is it different? Anything like that? That's wildly different, man. There's so oh, yeah. many 
Like, uh, so for instance, um, for the people that are from here and around here, the, uh, you know, that whole gigantic complex where Whole Foods is, mm -hmm. like when I first started CrossFit in 2010, I got lost on a 5K and ran through those empty dirt lots. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and now yeah. there's just huge monstrosity of whatever. Yeah. And it's just, you know, we're, we have all these gigantic student housing complexes yeah. going in all over the place. And, you know, it's, it's uh, like Flagstaff is one of those places where you shouldn't really be in a hurry ever yeah. because you're going to be so frustrated because it's not built for traffic. Yeah. It's just built for frustration. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's, uh, and we're just, it seems as though, our leadership is like, we should create more traffic problems and no solutions. Yeah. Let's get it. You know, <laughs> the infrastructure is a little behind what the population is ballooned to. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, just the, the, the growth, but it's a, it is a really great place to live. Although it is a, you know, really expensive and we're just still trying to navigate that and figure mm -hmm. that out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I've taken education courses all over, the United States. And every time I come back here, I'm like, Oh, this isn't so bad. You know, <laughs> like driving in Chicago is the worst. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you just come back to flag and you're like, Oh, there's no toll roads. This is awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Those are, that's all very different. You know, there's, it really begs your relationship to Flagstaff begs one really important question. Yeah. Lake Mary. Yeah. Come on, Dan. Boohoo or booyah? I, I have them. I have a mixed. It's mixed. You know. So um, I've, I'm my really, man. I've really been into like the stand up paddleboarding. I've been trying to like save up and get one, but I would never swim in that thing. You know Come on, Dan. I think he's just trying to appease both you and I. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, I love being on the water. Like, that's, uh, if I could move anywhere and actually afford it, it would probably be like San Diego. I love San Diego. Yeah. That's where a uh, majority of uh, my education courses I've gone to, and I have a lot of friends out there. And I just love being around the water, you know? So I'm like, I, I'm a. I'm a beach bum that lives on a mountain, essentially. So, so why uh, why are you more comfortable swimming in those bodies of water than Lake Mary? That's a great question. Here we go. Because <laughs> there's no... Let's hear this irrational response. <laughs> no, dude. No, that's, it's a, that's a good question. Yeah. I have no idea. I can't... I can't... Oh, no. <laughs> because, you know, there's murderers in the ocean that are really proficient at it and, <laughs> and still it's better it's more appealing than Lake yeah. Mary <laughs> yeah. yes this is unbelievable uh, my man Jesse <laughs> coming through let, let me ask you a question Dr. Be Nice yeah uh, how many times have you swam in Lake Mary I swam in Lake Mary like swam swam well well doggy paddle not like, I don't not swim. getting flipped in, flipped over in your kayak <laughs> <laughs> yeah I did flip a six foot boat in that joint huh? yeah oh man in the still in the flat water <laughs> flat water <laughs> um, yeah well I don't really swim Dan so I don't I don't even really know how to answer that question so maybe zero if you focus on the swim <laughs> okay. part if you talk about being in the water and trying to keep your uh, mouth not in the water then yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and Many what times. yeah what Jesse basically shared is he's a connoisseur of water <laughs> living in a mountain town and and he can he can acknowledge not the most appealing water I'm just curious about the murderers thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was oh, the thing I was. Sharks, <laughs> sharks bro. Sharks. Oh, I thought you were referring to people. No. <laughs> yeah, out yeah, in San Diego. Like, they pirates just... are hanging out. <laughs> are we talking about the military? <laughs> <laughs> like, who's in the... Yeah. No, those, those uh, sharks are pretty terrifying. And so as soon as you brought up, like, why are you more comfortable swimming in the ocean? I'm like, ah, I don't know. Because, uh, you know, you could just be bitten half at any second out there. Yeah. And still, and still, it's more appealing. <laughs> totally. It, the... Not because of the pirates. <laughs> or the military. Right. It's <laughs> out there murdering people. I mean, absolutely. Off the coast like, of San Diego. You would never know. I would rather swallow ocean water all day than even get a little bit of Lake Mary water in my mouth. What is in Lake Mary water that's so bad? This is um, the thing that I'm just, it's, it's more it just doesn't a, compute. I feel like it's a legend thing. Like you're not really sure, but a lot of people talk about it. So you're yeah. kind of convinced that that's the way that it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's, it's just a good. legend. Well, I, I swim there. It's mud and silt. I've told you this literally <laughs> when hurt. I swim there. Now, it's like your teeth is sifting dirt. <laughs> <laughs> like and I don't see why that's so unappealing. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the big problem there? <laughs> my my patience and acceptance is just not as as refined as yours. So the, the Earth is uh, breaking into your precious space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> the, the gap. Oh, man. I'm just glad that we have a, a Flagstaff native calling it for what it is. This is the first time this has happened, Jesse. So this <laughs> nice. is a big deal. Dan's been yeah. trying to make this happen for months, <laughs> if not years so, at this so juncture. The, the real underlying cause of me being on the podcast is to talk about Lake Mary. Just just it. around yeah. your history to Flagstaff, just yeah. that portion. And, uh, Dan, I guess you probably just want to shut down the interview. Now. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. kind of where we're at. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> we got one. No, no, no. It yeah. was good talk, guys. Good yeah. talk. No, it is. It's interesting to hear. I actually, don't judge me, but I've only lived here 10 years yeah. and so for me over the course of 10 years i've seen flagstaff really change just in that short sure. span of time i can't imagine how much has changed uh since 100 you know a couple decades worth yeah of yeah living here yeah, yeah. One of the most staggering, I don't know if you remember that, but like, uh, you know, the intersection by where McDonald's and Sam's Club is, yeah. Ponderosa and Butler, right? Like that used to just be a T. Yeah. And like, to me, that intersection is so representative of what, what it's like now. Right. So the uh, 4th Street overpass was game changing for yeah. me because, uh, you know, I used to just cross the tracks right there on my BMX bike mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And then when they just built an overpass there, I was like. <laughs> it's amazing because like the you know where that five guys car wash is mm-hmm. that's where you would have to drive down in order to come back to go to fourth street mm-hmm. and that was like the most dangerous intersection ever mm-hmm. people get in car wrecks there mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. yeah. and you know th- just getting over that that was huge just to, yeah so then what what is the boomerang appeal what what kept bringing you back um failure i guess you know <laughs> the, the appeal of failure or the uh the no, just uh, experience uh, yeah so that's a uh, you know your parents are kind of your safety net while you're trying to figure out your life as an yeah. adult right yeah. and so that's pretty much uh that's pretty much why i would always come back is because i was like well i'm gonna try this and then that failed and i'm like well i guess i'm going back home you know yeah. so that's just yeah. how it worked um the longer you're in a place the more baggage you have so now i'm like more motivated to kind of get out of here than ever yeah but uh it's you know once you just establish yourself in a spot it's hard to get out you know just especially if you're an independent business owner you know that's one of the scariest things and one of the reasons why i'm really trying to 
figure out this online business thing because um, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in America right now as far as handling pandemics for obvious reasons. Um, so, you know, the in-person, the in-person practice that I have is really fragile for the first time in my career. And so, you know, if I can get um, my online presence more profitable, mm -hmm. then I'll be able to go anywhere and do anything without having to worry about starting over again because that's really scary because yeah. you know you guys starting it's like the same thing with you guys starting a practice being like cool so how do i get people in here it's really mm -hmm. it's really profoundly yeah. difficult mm -hmm. you know because mine my business is super simple hey are mm -hmm. you in pain i'll get you out of pain mm -hmm. and people are like yeah but uh, i don't know and i'm like what do you not know just yeah. <laughs> you're in pain right now and you're complaining about it and i can help mm -hmm. And it's just really interesting how difficult it is for people to commit to some kind of lifestyle change. Because if you're, you know, chronic pain or if you're overweight or if you, uh, you know, you're depressed or you have anxiety or whatever, mm -hmm. it takes a lifestyle change to get out of that hole, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And just some people just aren't willing to get that drive to like get that commitment going it's really interesting and mm -hmm. i'm just that's one of those things where i'm just trying to really unpack that and see where that's coming from yeah no doubt you know as like in behavior change to being like the russian tank of energy consumption like it takes a lot to to get to get moving to get out of a rut in a lot right. of ways mm -hmm. um you were talking about like building your online presence and someone with the pandemic right is like it sounds like your profession our profession we've been sort of um well we had choice but we went the virtual route in order yeah. to continue our, our business and our work um, I was wondering, so the pandemic helps you do that. How do you continue to bolster your online presence? What does that look like for you? That's a good question. And I've been using, um, I think I was talking about this before we started recording, but I used my sober October to get off of social media, really. And so social media is kind of the way, right? And be, so that's how you provide the best information on what it is that you do and how you can contribute to the recovery of whatever somebody has whatever their ailment is and so um, I've been trying to figure out how to do that for the last couple of years just how to get the attention and and um, I have a hard time with like drug companies are the best at it right like hey do you feel terrible all the time mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. I do cool here's a pill you know what I mean mm -hmm. and so we are uh, um, instant gratification nation right now mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. with amazon prime if it doesn't get there in two days we're just like oh my god and that's how like you know that was <laughs> that was another thing with like the pandemic i ordered some uh workout shorts in may and they got here last week you know what i mean <laughs> nice nice <laughs> i completely that's... forgot about them and i was just looking in my mailbox what is this you know and so wow. but people like so um like we'll talk about joint function for a second. So like a lot of people, if they have knee pain, a majority of the time that knee pain is coming from an immobile ankle, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just like strength building on anything. If you want to build a more mobile ankle, it's going to take time. Mm -hmm. And so when people ask me, hey, how can I fix my squat? Mm -hmm. Well, you need a more mobile ankle. How long is that going to take? Six months. I don't want to do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's just how it goes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I can sit there and have this hour-long conversation with them about why that's important and why their their squats plateauing and why they're not going to get better. Mm -hmm. But if they're not willing to put in the effort, then 
should I be putting in more effort? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so that's where um, trying to get um, more eyes on, and that's where, you know, like the Gary Vaynerchuks of the world are just saying you need more attention because the the online present presence can expand out past beyond Flagstaff, mm-hmm. which is kind of a really interesting and weird thing if you're so used to being local all the time right Mm -hmm. because then you can access more people Mm -hmm. and there's 300 million people in america you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. they all have pain Mm -hmm. so you know how do i reach them Mm -hmm. and that's been like the constant question it was like consuming Mm -hmm. and so that's why you know i needed to kind of reset and take that whole month off and kind Mm -hmm. of figure out like a whole new plan Mm -hmm. and try and figure out where i can get the most attention so right now I'm kind of thinking about leaning more towards YouTube mm-hmm. because there's so much there's so much going on on Instagram and people really aren't looking at anything. Mm-hmm. You it's know, so quick, yeah. Right. And so that's kind of what I realized um so my first like 3 or 4 days of uh sober October was you know, the second I felt any kind of I don't want to say negative emotion but like a like a discomfort or anxiety or any kind of like depression i would just immediately grab my phone and open it but then the app wouldn't be there and i'm like oh well now i guess i got to sit here and figure out what this is yeah you know why am i so uncomfortable right now why do i need this distraction from like what i'm doing which is like literally sitting here watching tv which is that's not a distraction enough like what's going on (laughs) you know what i mean so it uh, gave me a lot of time to re to kind of reintroduce me to myself and uh, be more introspective, which I haven't done in a long time just because I've been mm-hmm. so focused on trying to get that Instagram following or whatever it is. Yeah, it's pretty incredible how consuming that uh, platform can be. Yeah. And then to even just to break into it, you know, before we started this, I wasn't very into Instagram, like rarely posted that kind of thing. And so we saw like, well, let's have a social media presence. That's a way to sort of get things out. Like you're saying, in the time that it requires, sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, this is right. so much more time than I would ever want to give to this virtual world. And then, like you're saying, the collective attention span of the thing is like, it's like right. less than a second. Right, because they're literally just swiping. Mm-hmm. They're not looking at anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's it's I have a weird relationship with it because that's where I learned a lot of um, information. That's where I was um, got... Uh, exposed to a lot of these different people that I wanted to learn from. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was a huge catalyst for my educational path. Right. Yeah. And so, but now I'm just like, well, what am I doing on mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. so I have this obsessive personality. So whatever I'm into, I'm into it a hundred percent. And so, like I said, I get this new mountain bike. I'm like, well, I need to know everything. There's no by mountain bikes <laughs> right now. Yeah. So like, what's the best thing? What do I, where do I need to go? Mm-hmm. What do I need to learn? Where mm-hmm. do I find trails? Like, mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, we just live in this weird age of information where you can have anything you want at your fingertips. Like, mm-hmm. I want to ride up the dog food trail and back down moto. Has anybody done that? You YouTube it and somebody's done it. And you're like, cool. So this is what the trail looks like. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any surprises. You know, mm-hmm. it's weird. Mm-hmm. You can look up yeah. literally anything. Mm-hmm. And just, I don't know, people are focused on the Kardashians or something weird. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't even... <laughs> <laughs> you, you, can't, you can look up anything and then now the the validity 
<laughs> of, of that information is now harder to have trust or confidence totally. so it's all this stuff on the surface and then half that stuff now you don't know the depth of it or the accuracy of it uh, it's a tough world to exist in so you kind of reset you recalibrated and said i'm going to go to youtube that may be a way to get to the depth of the value of what i do mm-hmm. clinically and right. show that you know I, in talking about your professional work um and why it was recommended that we spend time with you is one of those areas of emphasis of yours being the psychosomatic expression right so i'm curious um actually if you would just would you be willing to define what you mean when you speak about psychosomatic expression? All right, selling dams. Selling dams. Yeah, I got something for you. What'd you got? Uh, this is perfect for you. Okay. Yeah. I actually think your your wife and your girls are going to love this. It's a 1950s doll pillow. Hmm. Yeah. So let me send, Let me shoot you the picture. Okay, here. let me see the picture. Yeah, here's okay. the picture. And then um, could you offer a description? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what that is super nice and clean all caps i don't know um that looks like a nightmare <laughs> that looks like it's twenty dollars <laughs> it is it is only twenty dollars here in flagstaff az and it's basically like imagine if a doll one of those dolls that maybe gives you nightmares at night is cut off at the midsection and then sewn into a pillow and had a child with a picnic table cloth (laughs) okay so it's only twenty dollars it looks good i think this would be great for your house i think your your girls would love it yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh uh-huh at the end i think this is what i'm getting your family for christmas (laughs) okay please do Listen, listen to the description. Okay. I mean, someone's going to jump on this. It's mm-hmm. in excellent condition. Yep. 1950s doll pillow. Mm-hmm. We have had it forever. Time to let someone else enjoy this great doll pillow. Yeah. So they're, they're like generous. Yeah. They see that it's time to unhook from this doll pillow and allow for someone else to carry the joy that it has provided them for their lives. That's what I'm, that's what I'm spraying. So we got a, uh, spraying? <laughs> So we got a merry-go-round. We want to keep that momentum going here. It's in excellent condition. You got to jump on this. People are going to get this. The post ID is 7214-112137. Get dams. Nailed it. Get dams. Would you be willing to define what you mean when you speak about psychosomatic expression? So, yeah, this is where it gets complicated. And it can go in the weeds in any different kind of direction, Mm -hmm. right? And so, and it's all individualized. So, um, the way, the way that I would explain it is it's a, it's an association with a traumatic event that the person hasn't properly vetted out and suppressed. Right. And so, um, that's what a trigger is, right? You don't get triggered by a new thing it's something that was already there that's a similar thing right and so um like are you guys familiar familiar with the term neurotags uh no i've never heard of it okay so like um so the best way to describe it is you know thousands of years ago i'm walking with cody through the jungle mm-hmm. and he gets eaten by a tiger mm-hmm. and you're like well that was terrifying <laughs> and so yeah that's happy yeah, right yeah. and <laughs> so so that event becomes a neurotag and then everything associated with that event yeah. 
rocks falling, yeah. leaves rustling, whatever it is, gets attached to that neuro tag. So if you ever see any of those things, then you're hyper aware, mm-hmm. right? So now in this current day and age, we have a more mundane life, mm-hmm. quote unquote, mm-hmm. but we still have these triggers. Mm-hmm. And so those triggers are um, those neuro tags firing up saying that hey this was a traumatic event for you in the past and this is why you're expressing this way now you know but we just start yelling or whatever it is well, and even, yeah that happens generationally yeah. epi- epigenetics the term that we use is epigenetics yep um so yeah that that would pass along those neural tags so 100%. That, that when those when those uh, sensations when you perceive those sensations it may lead to the subconscious information of like alert. Right. And so um, we have all these different metaphors that we use. And so that's why the intake process is so important for me is Mm -hmm. just having people discuss what their pain is. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like some of the metaphors that we use, uh, that guy's a pain in the neck. You know, I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. That was gut wrenching. I have a broken heart. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All that stuff matters. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the another way to uh, describe it is, you know, like if there's if you have like a traumatic injury, mm-hmm. like the first thing that happens is you take a big, deep, sharp breath in. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then that emotion of that event is stored in that diaphragm, mm-hmm. which is a critical component of core stability. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if your core is unstable, then you start developing back pain or, mm-hmm. you know, breathing problems or whatever it is right Mm -hmm. and that's because if you use your diaphragm to breathe then you're triggering that emotional response to that event Mm -hmm. and so i think where people get confused is that if i say hey you have emotional pain Mm -hmm. that there's that i'm saying that it's all in their head Mm -hmm. and that's not true you're absolutely experiencing that pain Mm -hmm. right and so there's another uh guy's name's dr john sarno and i read a whole bunch of his books he has uh one of them is the mind body prescription Mm -hmm. but he talks about um pain is easier to deal with than that traumatic event right and so you know if you were um you know physically abused by a parent and then you suppress that memory because it's just too traumatic for you to deal with then you're going to start to manifest low back pain in some aspect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because uh, the pain is easier, mm-hmm. like I said, than mm-hmm. dealing with the fact that your protector mm-hmm. was abusing you, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, that could be from car wrecks. That could be from uh, from a perceived trauma mm-hmm. because, you know, children see events and experience events differently than adults do. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what the child in you would perceive as a traumatic event, the adult would be like, what are you talking about? That's not Mm -hmm. even a thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. even just a a dog on a leash barking at you could be Mm -hmm. traumatic, Mm -hmm. right? And so um, it just kind of goes down all these different directions and the the vetting process I think is really important. And that's um, just kind of asking the right questions to get to the right answers, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Do you, so do you do you essentially make an effort through your assessment through through what you just described as vetting um, 
to try and distinguish what of this seems to become come from an emotional place and what of it can be purely physiological. Um, are you able to suss some of that out? Yeah. So like I said, it's the questions and it's the metaphors that they use. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I had a client come in mm-hmm. and, uh, they said, my neck feels like an immovable brick wall. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, who are we talking about? <laughs> my roommate that you know what I mean? And I'm just like, wow. Okay. So <laughs> that's a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, uh, you know, it's just, it could go in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. Like people that hate their jobs mm-hmm. and then they spend 40 hours a day or 40 hours a week mm-hmm. at that job. Mm-hmm. And that's a majority of their waking hours and they hate their life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that could be painful, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, so, and then the other way that I try to explain it to people is you don't think how you feel, you feel how you feel, mm-hmm. you know? So like whenever you're sad, do you think sad or do you feel sad? Mm-hmm. Do you think depressed? Do you think anxious? Mm-hmm. Like all that stuff comes, comes out somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if you're not like, that's where your guys' profession comes in. If you're not talking to somebody about it, mm-hmm. or if you're not introspective and being like, okay, where's this coming from? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What happened here? Why am I so angry? Why am I so upset right now? Mm-hmm. Then you're suppressing it and then it starts to come out. So another way to explain it is, uh, like you want to think about pain as something's wrong it's a request for change mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> if you have no particular event if you just woke up one day with back pain or woke up one day with knee pain and i can't and i say was there an event that caused this mm-hmm. and you can't point it to a pop or a rip or whatever then so let me ask you a quick question yeah um so it could be like a specific event or if can they point to say I'm training for this thing and I've had consistent wear and tear Would that right. equate to an event? Correct. So that's part of that conversation, right? Yeah. So that would not equate to an event. So like okay. if you're, so if you were like, Hey, I've been training for this marathon yeah. and you know, I've been training for six months and I started getting this knee pain three months ago. I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you, okay, let's see how you're running. Mm-hmm. Where are your mechanics off? Mm-hmm. Because you know, if you're doing high mileage mm-hmm. stuff and then you're taking, you know, your legs swinging out instead mm-hmm. of forward. Yeah. Then that's going to start to cause this different kind of shear effect on your knee. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just be like, okay, so you're running this way. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do is fix your mechanics of your mm-hmm. running. You which, know what I mean? which equates to a lot of the physiology. And so if they can't point to that and you can't find the mechanics or if there's not a specific occurring event that causes it, then you, then you begin to question the somatic mm-hmm. element. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, so like I said, it gets complicated, right? Mm-hmm. So the the nervous system can be broken down into parasympathetic and sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And so the way that I simplify that is threat or safety, mm-hmm. right? So if somebody lays on my table and they're like, this is really tight, I'm like, why is that under threat? Mm-hmm. And so the, the physical response could be a muscle dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So if I test the muscle dysfunction with my muscle testing mm-hmm. and it works, then great. If it doesn't work, hmm, okay, so then there's that fight or flight response, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens if you're under threat, you tense up. Mm -hmm. So then I do like a non-discriminate muscle test on each one of their limbs. And if every single limb tests strong, then they're under a state of threat. Mm -hmm. And then, so then I start looking towards um, more of a psychosomatic aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Because then that usually means just like the diaphragm thing, 
that means that I triggered something by triggering that muscle, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so then they automatically go into a threat response, and then I have to figure that out from there. And that's where uh, my friend Joseph Schwartz came up with this uh, the dynamic neuromuscular assessment. Mm -hmm. And it is just bang on, and it's really weird, but you're essentially using the limbs to ask the nervous system specific questions. Is this a physical response, a physiological response, or a limbic response? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if it's a limbic response, you can then start to vet it out. Is this current? or is it in your past is this yours or is it somebody else's is this something that is safe for me to remove or is this a pillar of who you are as a being mm -hmm. right because that's a so that's kind of where like the more i learned the more i don't want to say dangerous but you know massage therapists are like oh that's tight let's just get that elbow in there you're like well no a, that's triggering something, mm -hmm. and B, it's under threat for a reason. Mm -hmm. So don't just dig into it, right? And so, you know, there's these events that happen to people where, well, I'm never going to let that happen to me again. And then that yeah. became, that helped them become the person that they are today. Protective. Right. right. And so if you just yank out that pillar that's a foundation of who they are as a being, they're going to just freak out, mm -hmm. right? And so it's a very... It's a, it's a weird kind of a dance, right? Um, and so, like, we all, like, remember, like, the first time we got bullied or the first time that our uh, a girlfriend or a boyfriend broke up with us or whatever it was, mm -hmm. you know, the first time our parents made us sad or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then it just, like, spirals from there. Mm -hmm. And then you just start shaping your life around these events and then you know, sometimes like bottling them down. And, you know, that's a, that's one of those reasons why I started MMA is because I wanted to understand that, that violence that was brought on me for seemingly no reason. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to understand where they were coming from. Mm -hmm. And a majority of them are coming from a hurt space where they're being bullied themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they have no other expression other than to impart that upon other people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just that it's like the more I dive into my profession, the more I'm like, God, people are weird. I don't even know how we made it this far. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's really interesting to hear about you talk about how if you were working on someone on a table mm -hmm. that you would take into account if they're tight here before just immediately digging in. I want to be right. conscientious of what I've assessed of them so far. Like you, it sounds like all <clears throat> along the way through your assessment process and everything, you keep in mind whether there could be something else there. And then if a muscle's tight, you would take that into consideration. Right. And so I don't know if it's similar for your guys' profession, but if there's something that's not working, like my clients appreciate me taking the time to step back and be like, why isn't this happening? Mm -hmm. What's going on here? Mm -hmm. What can what have I not tried? Mm -hmm. What's different? Mm -hmm. Like what's different about you than when you came in? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's another thing that you can feel like when, when you hit – um, an emotional trigger is that the like the the energy in the room changes right mm -hmm. and so like everybody knows what that feels like if you you know you got in trouble at school and then your dad came home and your mom told you and then he walked in your room you're like oh my god like you just <laughs> just the change in the air you know mm -hmm. so that you can feel when they get protective mm -hmm. and then know that you need to back off mm -hmm. you know so it's just being um just like the jujitsu thing, man. Like, just what's happening now? What can I do? Flow with it. Yeah. Just what's what are we doing? Mm -hmm. You know. And mm -hmm. sometimes, 
I um, I just I have to ask them to reschedule mm-hmm. because they're just such in a they're in such a protective state that there's nothing I can do, mm-hmm. and so then they have to come back later, and uh, you know then there's sometimes I have to refer out, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? God, Joseph Schwartz is such a genius, but sometimes you can be like, hey, this is the emotion that you're feeling, and this is what happened when you were five years old, and they're just like, oh God, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And then that, here we go. Yeah. And then that tension's gone, you know? And it's really interesting. I was wondering, because you said, like, um, was it, what was the name of it? Neuromuscular dynamic, something like that, the assessment? Uh, so, dynamic neuromuscular assessment. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, with that, you were saying, I was really struck when you were saying, like, from that, you can sort of assess whether the response is limbic, physiological, and there was one other thing that you said physical. Physical. Yep. And do those three different, if, if it's, if limbic, then mm-hmm. how do you approach it? So then you start to um, ask, is it current? And is it safe? You know, because if it's current, then it's like, well, what do you have going on right now? You, the people have to be willing to understand and be willing to work on something mm-hmm. at, if it's an emotional response, mm-hmm. right? Because if they're not, then it's not happening. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, okay, well, I'm not the I'm not the therapist for you. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to go see somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? we're both very familiar with that experience. Right. <laughs> the uh, so the thing I was wondering is again, if it's limbic it, mm-hmm. uh, versus physiological versus physical. Yeah. Is it the way you're talking? Like I'm wondering, are the actual interventions similar in what you're doing, but there's like a dialogue around it that's different, or like a context of it that's different? Um, the next main question that I ask is, is it safe? Mm. Right. And so if it's safe, then we just dive in. Okay, let's figure out when this happened. Let's figure out why you're responding this way. Because, um, you know, Dr. John Sarno alludes to the fact that if you are starting to manifest physical pain, then that is your body signal to, hey, I'm ready to deal with this now. And so most of the time it's ready to come out. A lot of times... It's not. And it's just whatever they're dealing with on their life is just triggering that association with that event over and over and over again to where it's becoming overwhelmed, right? Mm-hmm. So in our profession, we call it the stress bucket, right? So you have, you know, your wife, your kids, your dog, your car payment, your house payment, all that stuff. And then, you know, all you need is the water heater to break, boom, and you're just over it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of the same thing, but most people aren't aware of that. Mm-hmm. Right. So then they have this one thing and then they're just like, God, I've just been pissed at my wife or my husband every single day. And I have no idea why, mm-hmm. you know, because one of the most powerful of, um, emotions that we have is rage. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if it's, um, you know, like uh, a lot of other inherited emotions that I find are like abandonment or betrayal, like all these just really just incredibly strong mm-hmm. just visceral things mm-hmm. where you can just really feel it you know mm-hmm. and it's like then it's just stuck in there forever so then any kind of abandonment or betrayal anything that kind of resembles that then that person's triggered mm-hmm. you know and then that pain comes back mm-hmm. you know yeah it reminds me of how irritable cody was when his his jorts got ripped and uh <laughs> dude 
and he yeah he just was super irritable <laughs> I, I think it was the straw that broke the camel's back and his stress bucket overflowed yeah and he just exemplified rage <laughs> you know my stress bucket was about at a one out of a hundred and then the jorts getting ripped put it over a hundred <laughs> yeah like it accounted for every uh, piece of stress in the bucket so man. you had yeah. one and then you went to 151 because of 100, <laughs> 150 points from the jorts that was hey. a tough that was a tough thing for me man you have an attachment to those jorts man it's a thing oh uh, well yeah we could talk about that <laughs> we could go down that road if you like his, yeah his attachment to those jorts was evidenced by the stains that were all over them. <laughs> um, and the stench yeah it's like is all that kind of making sense because it's yeah you know yeah. once you kind yeah. of die like i said once you get into the weeds it kind of goes it could go any direction yeah sorry i think it's really fascinating to think because we sit on the other side like right we yeah. kind of view it through like a psychology lens and so yeah. we have a very different approach and what we go with this you know like if you're doing massage therapy and that kind of thing i think it's for us is really interesting to hear what it's like through your lens and through your profession mm-hmm. even though like kind of what we're dealing with is probably pretty similar mm-hmm. in its nature mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah and so um I don't think I mentioned this part, but, uh, you know, like what Dr. John Sarno said about, you know, if it, if that pain manifests, then they're ready to acknowledge it. So sometimes all they need to do is acknowledge it mm-hmm. and then it's, they're done. Mm-hmm. They're like, Oh, okay. I know what that is. Mm-hmm. And then they're done. Mm-hmm. And other times it's like, it's like a series of events. Like I think like there's going to be, I'm very curious to see what the fallout of 2020 is as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like the the amount of micro traumas that everybody's been experiencing since you know March, mm-hmm. it's been substantial. It will be interesting to see the fallout from all of that. Um, yeah, I wonder if you if you would have if people experience pain. What's your first piece of advice? Which I know is super general because yeah. as you've enumerated over and over, I think there's this underlying message about how unique it all can be. Right. But if you if people are experiencing pain what's your one piece of feedback or the first step they can take ask why like what i said about social media and just constant distraction people mm-hmm. have no idea who they are or what they're about or or they're not in touch with themselves at all mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so just sitting there and asking why am i in pain mm-hmm. you know just why am i in pain so like mm-hmm. if you were training for a marathon mm-hmm. and you're like well i've been had pain for the last three months mm-hmm. what happened mm-hmm. did you Increase your mileage three months ago? Well, yeah. Okay, so then that's likely a mechanical issue, right? So then let's fix your biomechanics. Let's figure out how you're running. Why are you running? You know, does it happen more at the end of your run or at the beginning? You know, is it after your run? You know what I mean? So if it happens when you're fatigued, then that's a strength issue. So we need to address that. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's, you know, like I said, that whole assessment process is incredibly important. Just asking people why, why yeah. right and so if you way. if you can't well, why does my back hurt i have no idea did you were you lifting something did you feel a pop well, no okay well then when did your back start hurting two months ago what happened two months ago well we got this new boss and the person's terrible and they made my life a living hell okay well that's probably a source of your back pain you know what i mean so it's like you can if you like if you ask questions then you solve problems, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's where we kind of, our uh, professions connect is we're just trying to figure out why. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Right. Yeah. It really is profound. Like you really are enumerating, like being mindful, being right. self-aware. But it's a terrifying process. How do I fix that? Mm-hmm. Do you, or do I want to be that way? Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's super interesting. Thanks so much for giving all the feedback, even like a specific statement like that. You know, one thing that we have talked about with other guests is their relationship to Flagstaff, because mm-hmm. that's a common thread of people that we spend time with. And I know that you've you've spent your life here, or a majority of your life, with, yeah. the, with the exceptions of the training programs that you've participated in, some brief moves. Yeah. But in one or two sentences, what would you summar- how would you summarize what Flagstaff is to you? I mean, it's, it's beautiful and it's small, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's more, you know, and it being small is both a blessing and a curse, mm-hmm. right? Because it's so interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if there's, if there's bridges that you burn, everybody knows about it. Mm-hmm. If, there's, um, if you do a good job, everybody knows about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and then just the, the beauty, man, that's like one thing, um, that kind of sparked my decision to get off of social media and spend more time on myself is just like taking the time. It takes time to ride your bike somewhere. Mm-hmm. And when you're riding your bike, you're like, wow, the leaves are changing. Wow. And you're just like looking at how beautiful this place yeah. really is, you know? And it's, uh, it's just breathtaking sometimes. Um, Jesse, so before we wrap it up, I just want to say thank you so much for sitting with us and thanks for your patience earlier yeah. again while we were getting set up. Um, I did want to see, you know, if for any of our listeners, if they wanted to find you, what would be the best way to to come across your stuff? So all of my uh, information is on my website, which is kokoromovement.com. And then uh, my Instagram is... Uh, Kokoro.m as in Michael, V as in Victor, M as in Michael, T as in Tom. And we got a Michael, Victor, Michael, Tom? Yep. Okay. That's it. And it. Uh, that's where you can find a majority of my stuff right now. Uh, YouTube channel is coming up soon. Um, you know, I've uh, been on this weight loss journey right now, so I'm eight pounds down, so I'm going to document that. That's a, you know, so that's going to be on a different YouTube channel, and all that stuff will be found on my uh, Instagram. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking your time and, and spending the, the time with us. Absolutely. That was really fun. Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah, right on. No doubt. Take care. Yeah. All right. We got that social distance space back. Ah, we back. We're not using that same microphone anymore, huh? That's <laughs> nice. Gosh, this is so much more comfortable. <laughs> it is. It really is. And I, I want you to admit that it's probably more comfortable for me than you. Like, I got a little bit more of a personal space issue than you do. Uh, like a preference for personal space. Yeah, there's a strong barrier around that. <laughs> like it's very important to you to have your space. It is. So when I'm leaning in next to you, talking <laughs> on your microphone, uh, there's probably several things that are upsetting about that. Yeah, just my nervous system goes into overdrive. There's probably an olfactory uh, element to that <laughs> that is particularly bothersome to you as well, huh? <laughs> From like coffee breath or what? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly what yeah, I was thinking. Yeah. Like that microphone probably stinks now. You do like that dark. Yeah, I love that dark. Get some of that black. Gets me through the day, man. Gets you through the day. Well, yeah. We, yeah, we just got Jesse out of here. We got the pictures for the gram. We did. We got the pictures for the gram. Got that knocked out. Got that knocked out. Yeah. So tell me about the interview, Dan. What did uh what stuck out to you? Yeah. For me, yeah, it's good. Uh couple things I noticed about him. Uh he seemed to go through these phases in life. Like it was clear to me, like he kind of would like latch on to something. And I think he even described it this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may have used the word like obsession uh, yeah. talking about like, Oh, this is my new obsession or I just got this obsession. 
Um, but he definitely had these tangents he would go on. And uh, one of those, I think, was in the realm of sport and physical activity. And there was this real strong, strong progression from just getting punched in the face yeah. to sports that potentially became safer. And uh-huh. now he's in mountain biking. And for some people, that would be like the more dangerous sport. But for him, that's that's the real safe sport. Yeah, we might have to put that up on the gram and do a poll. And which one is more dangerous, mountain biking or MMA? And what would you say? Oh, are you serious? Yeah. MMA. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of MMA. Yeah. <laughs> I had an image of him that was really concerning for me. It was just him bleeding out of his head at Arby's. In some small town in New Mexico. In some small town in New Mexico. Just his mom. trying to get some food. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even mention food. He mentioned a Pepsi. He just wanted a Pepsi. A Pepsi. <laughs> just trying to get a Pepsi. Oh, man. Our Dude. boy Jesse P. just trying to get a Pepsi in, in New Mexico with his head just opening up a gushing wound yeah and then the person at the counter being like i can't serve you <laughs> to go get someone else dude I mean, what a what a rough night what a rough night dude any night that ends in arby's if you're getting that double cheddar beef beef with a pepsi it's been a rough night no if doubt that's your consolation <laughs> this will help me oh oh that triple cheddar yikes can I get that cheddar beef with extra cheddar? Yeah, dude. If you with, with a meat shake, and you are bad. You're in bad shape, man. <laughs> Wherever you are. And if the person that works at Arby's and just works on cutting those sandwiches all day can't serve you because of what you look like, it has been it's been a real tough night. It's been a tough night. At that point in the interview, I began to feel very concerned. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, oh, but no. he he course corrected, so he had that one fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then course corrected and gradually picked things, obsessions, or latched onto things that progressively became safer. Yeah. So we had CrossFit, we had jujitsu, and then yeah. now mountain biking. Yeah, 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 yeah. No crashes yet, so he's he's on the path to Knock safety. On Jesse, just please keep it that way. <laughs> just stay on that bike. Stay on that bike. Keep the rubber side down. Rubber side down. There you go. There you go. So yeah. So I noticed that. Another thing I noticed about him is that he he definitely had a uh, like a voracious curiosity about things. Mm-hmm. So he'd like go after things and he he was okay going traditional formats for that and non-traditional formats for that. So he had these certificate programs that he'd go get education from and then he also just emphasized um learning from others, just like dialogue with people, people yeah. that impressed him or that he learned from he would read about them or else just try and approach them and have a conversation with them. Yeah. It was impressive. The Well, in, on his podcast, right. He talks about just kind of like approaching people that were leaders in the field, but just some idea that it might work out mm-hmm. that they might mm-hmm. be willing to come on his mm-hmm. show and that kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. Like it seemed mm-hmm. like he would just go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I listened to a handful of those leading up to this. Um, and some of it I would get lost in cause I don't know enough about either PT coaching or massage. Mm. Um, but some of those professionals, he's now interviewed a few different times, and they have this like rapport. He actually has just developed rapport with people that he admired and, yeah. and the professionals in his field that he wanted to learn from. And now he has this like relationship and rapport with them. Yeah, it's super cool. And it seems like you're saying kind of driven by that voracious curiosity mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. also his willingness to just go all in yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, shoot his shot it's kind of like a shoot the shot it's, it's kind of like a, a more successful cody bayless 
I don't know that's a compliment to him. <laughs> like, when you're batting zero, man, yeah, it's a bad place to be. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Cody Bayless trying to get that mic and that sound engineer husband. Didn't work, but Strike he, one. he shot his shot. I shot my shot. Jesse P just has more of those cards fall his way. <laughs> They've just landed, they just landed for yeah. him. Yeah. Congratulations to you, by the way, Jesse. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, I heard you mention some Dan that you're you don't know too much about PT. Mm-hmm. That surprises me, man. Party time? You're not too into that? <laughs> not party time, uh, or physical therapy. I don't oh, know. Okay. I don't physical. know either. I'm into physical therapy. I don't know a lot about it. I'm both not into party time and don't know a lot about it. Surprises me. <laughs> yeah, really, really throws <laughs> really. you off. There. I guess if you go back to our intro episode, you at the dinner party, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Count the time. Chisel, yeah. Count the time down until it's time to go. No doubt. Yeah. Station in the observatory, yeah. checking everything out. Yeah. Ready to get home for that book. Yeah, I, I have a question for you about the interview, though. I, I'm wondering what your thoughts were on what he talked about in terms of how psychosomatic oppression, uh, expression results from emotions. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was almost for me like where he leaves off, where he says, like, uh, you got to go work on a bit of this is like mm-hmm. exactly the point at which we work up we pick up with people that's kind of where we get going yeah yeah psychologists what were your thoughts about all all the psychosomatic stuff oh super interesting i was really curious to know you know when he was talking about like well if there's something going on in your lower back for for instance Mm -hmm. um and it can't be explained by something that was uh mechanical right Mm -hmm. like he was talking about mobility or maybe Mm -hmm. some off of mechanics that might explain that Mm -hmm. that then the thought was well there must be something in the past Mm mm-hmm some sort of abuse or some sort of experience that might explain this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I, th- I did think that was pretty interesting. I was curious to know more about like, how do you then work with that? Like, how do you start drawing those connections mm-hmm. without talking about it more? I mm-hmm. guess like, mm-hmm. I remember him saying like, it's just, we, we probe to see if it's safe and if it is, then we'll continue to do our work. And mm-hmm. I was curious to see, like, I guess I want to know how that worked itself out. Mm-hmm. But for us, I think as psychologists, right, that is where we pick up is through language. We start to like try and piece together the story of all that. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think Feldman Barrett also in the theory of construction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think about how do we construct our own pain based on these concepts, mm-hmm. based on experiences, based on our language, mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. It would be fun to even go deeper with some of that. Um, it's cool yeah. to hear him approach it and then acknowledge that uh, psychological factors have some influence on, mm-hmm. on it and that yeah at that point that person has to deal with that side of it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. good stuff real interesting no doubt well why don't you take us out by shouting us out yep we'll do well first off you can hit us up on the interwebs www.beyondflag.com flag spelled flg and you know we are really trying to instigate them follows on uh, instagrams and twitters the tweeters tweeters how we doing on that twitter dan (laughs) i think we're like maybe 48 maybe maybe reached 50 i gotta go back and check i feel really tempted to just look right now i think that's the second largest following on all of twitter behind i think that's uh little pump has the biggest following little pimp little pump i thought it was little pimp according to the press but at any rate, you can hit us up on Instagram, beyond underscore flag. We hope we have some better content for you than this little pump dialogue. <laughs> and then you can also hit us up on the Twitter, beyond underscore flag. All right. And in the meantime, take care. Love you.